I do appreciate the uh, opportunity to be able to speak tonight. And um, if you would go ahead and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, if this book sounds familiar, it probably is, because I believe Pastor Rice, you preached out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 last week, right? I was, uh, <laughs> I was sitting in the back, and he says 2 Thessalonians. And uh, I was head usher, so I was sitting out back, so I was kind of zoned out a little bit. And uh, but when he said that, I immediately <laughs> raised my head. Like, what are the odds? Uh, speak out of the same book that I was planning, but he spoke out of chapter 1 there. I'll be speaking out of chapter 2. And um, I do hope this will be something that will be a help, just plan on working down through this chapter here, just making some observations. And um, some of the things I say tonight, they, they have the um, potential of maybe being a little controversial. Um, and <laughs> it wasn't intentional. Um, it's just, this is something that has just been on my mind here recently. Um, and like that's it, I hope, I hope I've studied this out well. And um, I do, do seek to be, to be true to God's word and not to just come up with um, my own you know, way of thinking. And, but I do um, just encourage you, if anything I do say tonight just maybe strikes you in a way that's not biblical, then I do encourage you to, to go ahead and study that out. Um, because, um, you know, the, the Bible talks about, and, and Paul, you know, he, he talks about the, the spirit of the, the Bereans, I believe it was, because they, they searched the scripture um, even after they had been taught it and just were convinced from the Holy Spirit and God through his word for themselves. So I encourage you, Maybe study out what we talk about a little for yourself, um, if it's you feel like it's something that God would have you to do. But um, I mentioned on Sunday night, Dad gave a, a chance to give testimonies from the missions conference, and I, I shared a little bit. And that's kind of what sparked um, my interest, and in, I believe the Lord led me to to this passage for tonight. Um, and uh, I mentioned Sunday night. I'll just kind of reiterate that, but. Um, just kind of beginning of the missions conference, um, especially kind of seeing the, the young missionaries that were in, and uh, especially the, the Shriners in the very beginning, um, other deputation, and I think that the Jacksons were too. But it just, it just kept running through my mind um, as I was sitting there. I was, I was just kind of thinking, you know, kind of what's the point? Um, Here's these young missionaries, you know, just fresh out on, on deputation. And, uh, you know, they're going to have however many years of, you know, traveling around, trying to raise support, and then getting out to the mission field. And um, I know a little bit about Japan. Uh, one of my professors at college was a missionary in Japan. And from what I understood of his work, um, it, it took him a while to establish that. So just kind of go through my mind. It's like, man, kind of what's the point, you know? They're going to get, they're going to start up this work and then, you know, the world's kind of going crazy, and who knows, they might not be able to get there, and this, that, and the other. And kind of base, the baseline, what I was thinking was, you know, it seems like, you know, we're kind of in the, the last days here, and, you know, they're going to get this all established, and they're going to go to, you know, we're going to be raptured out of here, and, you know, there's, there's going to go everything they worked for. So that was all kind of running through my mind. Um, but then, just thinking through this passage, and then just the Lord working in my heart in other ways, um, 
that's, that's what led me to this. Let's just go ahead and get right into it without any other introduction. Um, so 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, let's start right there in verse 1. Paul says, speaking to the church of Thessalonica, uh, Thessalonica there, Now I beseech, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. And so right off the bat, just look at that greeting by Paul. Um, I, didn't, I didn't look at every other greeting he gave in every other book, but I'm doing a little bit of some of them, and that, that one's very unique um, and seems very intentional by Paul. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Verse 2, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. All right, so what he's saying there is, I beseech you. you no, know, I'm, I'm strongly asking you something. Verse 1. Verse 2. What is he beseeching them? That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. So basically what he's saying is don't, don't be alarmed. Don't be troubled. Where in your mind? Um, it's interesting that the, the devil loves to play with our minds. Um, you know, what are, what are the tools that he has to use on us? Um, and as, as believers, you know, they're, they're pretty limited. Um, we've been freed from the power of sin. You know, we're no longer slaves to sin and to, to Satan. So he, what are the tools he has? he has? He tries to use doubt on us and uses fear. I think those are two of his, his biggest weapons, um, doubt and fear. So Paul's saying, look, don't be shaken where in your mind or be troubled. How? Neither by any spirit. And again, that spirit there is referring to your mind. Don't be, don't be troubled in your mind the way you think, nor by word, you know, and what you hear the conversation you hear around you. And, um, you know, in those days, it would be mostly by word of mouth. You know, they had some written publications, but obviously nothing like we have today. And uh, the, the means for word, for, for communication in our day, is, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. You know, you think compared to his day, compared to our day, you know, you hear that a lot, but it's true. I mean, just the various means of communication, it's, it's, it's incredible. You know, I, I wake up in the morning, and I have a half hour ride to work, and I just kind of, you know, scroll through Instagram, and I have all these news feeds. And I, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm getting news from all over the world of current events. I mean, that, that, that's crazy. I mean, you think of Paul in his day. <laughs> they didn't have anything even close to that, you know. They might hear news of what was happening, you know, one country away or one, you know, city away months and months after it happened. You know, we have access to, to information from everywhere practically instantly. So the, you know, the, the avenues for the, the, the communication by word, it's, it's pretty prolific now. Nor by letter, as from us, where again, written communication, this specifically from, from Paul, he says us, um, talking about the apostles. So, so some sort of, um, maybe think of that in the way of, of some sort of, um, of, of, of message or you know, a talk from from. Like a, you think of message, the, like I'm giving you a message now. Uh, I think that would be the idea of some sort of written communication from the apostles. Because um, he obviously he wasn't there with them at this time, so he wrote them letters. So it would be 
some sort of counsel from some religious leader. So you have, you have just your own thoughts, um, speech communication, that word you hear from around you, even, even communication from some sort of religious leader. And what, what specifically, it says not to be shaken about, as that the day of Christ is at hand. All right? Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except. So Paul's going to say, look, don't be, don't be shaken, don't be troubled, don't be worried, don't be alarmed in your mind, you know, with the thoughts you have, with, from the conversation you're being bombarded with from everywhere, even, even from letters that you hear from different, you know, so-called religious leaders. Um, don't, don't be troubled by that, specifically, that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you, for the day's not going to come, verse 3, except these things happen. And what's the first thing he says? Except there be a falling away first. And this is, this is something they mentioned might be, might be a little controversial. All right? Because um, I've always been, you know, you, I kind of heard this taught or preached that the falling away is talking about a, a departure from the gospel or we might say Christianity. Um, and it's interesting, I, I, looked, I looked at that word, and you know, <laughs> anytime, I heard a preacher once say, you know, anytime somebody says, you know, go to the Greek, um, they only say that because, you know, you probably don't know what the Greek says, and they probably don't know either. Um, so, you know, you got you to kind of be careful with that. But it is interesting for me, anyways, to do word studies in the original language. So I looked up this, this term, falling away, and it's interesting, it, it has a very broad connotation. Um, and it just, it just simply means a departure, a departure, or, or a separation. It's actually the word, um, the root word, is actually the same word used for divorce um, or, or to separate from something. So it just means there's going to be a separation or a departure. And again, you know, I've, I've heard that a lot, that that means there's going to be some sort of mass excess or, or mass falling away from, from belief in God or from the Bible. But... <coughs> You look in the t- context, there, there really is nothing that says that. And I'd like to, to give a thought here, and I'm not, I'm not positive about this, but I wonder if what that could be talking about is actually talking about the rapture. Because, um, again, the, the term means a departure. And just kind of looking down through the, the, um, just the gist of what Paul's going to say later on, kind of the flow... I wonder if, if maybe he's talking about the rapture um, as opposed to like maybe what you commonly hear people say that falling away means a falling, people falling away from the gospel. Um, because, I mean, you think about it, you know, if Paul's, if Paul's going to say, okay, so look, the, the end days aren't going to come unless you see a falling away from the gospel. Well, I mean, just, just look at the history of our world. Um, there's always been a falling away from the gospel. There's always been a resistance to the gospel. There's, there's always been wickedness. Um, there's, there's always been, Satan's always been working. And um, the light of the gospel has always been there, but there's always been that resistance to it. And, and you know, even, even, you know, you look at our country. You know, we live, we live in the United States. And, it, you know, you think about the history and all the different revivals and the blessing that had of God. And people, especially thinking we as Americans, you know, we can think, oh man, obviously that means there's going to be a time in America when there's going to be a departure from the gospel. And you can kind of see that now. And 
I don't, I don't know if you can, <laughs> if you can take this, this passage and apply it to the American context. Because, you know, there's, there's been rise and, falls of a lot, rise and falls of a lot of cultures. Um, you know, the, the English culture at one point was, was pretty heavily leaning towards Christianity. And they've fallen away from that. And you see that in different cultures. There's, there's ebb and flows. And I, I don't know if from the context you can definitely say that's a falling away from the gospel. So I wonder, and I, I kind of lean toward honestly, I don't think you say definitely, but I'm wondering if that's talking about the rapture. That those last days cannot come except there's a falling away. So possibly meaning the rapture. It's interesting. Um, so again, that, that might be a little controversial. It's hard to say from the context exactly what Paul is, is talking about there. But let's continue. What's the second thing he says? Secondly, and that the man of sin might be revealed, the son of perdition. Um, and I think this is a little less controversial because Paul goes on to explain more of what he's talking about. <clears throat> What's he say in verse 4? What is this man of sin, the son of perdition, going to do? Well, he's going to oppose, who opposeth, <laughs> verse 4, and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Verse 5, remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things. All right, so this, I think this is pretty clearly talking about what we call the, the Antichrist, this, this person that the devil is going to set up as an anti-Jesus, an opposite Jesus. He's going to set him up as basically Jesus, and he's going, and you see in, in Revelations, another prophecy, where it talks about how he's going to, to um, set himself up in the temple, um, and he's going to blaspheme God in that way, so I think it's pretty clearly talking about the rise of the Antichrist, he's going to set himself up as God, which certainly is the spirit of Satan and the Antichrist, all right, so the two things, are going to be a, some sort of departure, falling away, possibly talking about the rapture, along with that, there is going to be the rise of this Antichrist. All right? Now, um, let's keep reading here. Let's look at verse 6. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in this time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will until he be taken out of the way. All right, so it's a little tricky with the wording there, but that word in verse 7, letteth, um, it actually um, means kind of the opposite of what we think. You know, in modern English, you say you let someone do something, that actually means you would allow them to do it. Well, in, in, the, in the, what it means here, and the way it was used here in this translation, is letteth actually means to withhold or to, to restrain. Okay, so it's kind, of, it's kind of counterintuitive. It's kind of the opposite of how you think what he's saying there. But, so you think of it in that way, verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now restrains will let until he be taken out of the way. All right, verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spear of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So what's Paul saying here? Okay, so this Antichrist... This person who opposes Christ wants to set himself up as God. He's going to appear. That's going to be one of the, one of the things that's going to happen to usher in these, the day of the Lord, the, the, those last days. All right, but what's Paul saying? There's, there's something that's, that's, that's restraining him. There's something that's holding him back. 
And until that thing that's holding him back is taken away, he's not, he's not going to come, let, um, let alone, it says, he won't even be revealed. Um, verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 9, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all powers and signs and lying wonders. Again, clearly talking about the Antichrist. And with all the deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. All right? So I just want to talk a little bit about there, this, this thing that is restraining, this thing that is restraining the coming of the Antichrist. And I believe that from the context here and, and other pastors, what, what is the one thing that is, that is re- restraining Satan really having his way in this world? Satan setting up this, this anti-kingdom, this anti-Christ, trying to set himself up as God. What would be the one thing that is restraining that? And I believe it is the Holy Spirit working in believers and the church. Um, what is, what is the one thing that Satan hates and he's trying to destroy? It's the church. And it's the, it's the believers, it's holy spilled believers, holy filled believers within the church. And I believe that is what is restraining Satan from really setting up, from really having his way, um, from really setting up this kingdom that, that he wants to set up with himself at the top, with himself being king, with himself being God in his own eyes. Um, so you think about it that way, verse 6, Now you know what withholdeth him that it might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So the Antichrist isn't going to be revealed until whatever is restraining him is taken out of the way. Okay, so what, what is restraining him? Well, I believe it's talking about Holy Spirit-filled believers in the church. So before the Antichrist can be revealed, they're going to have to be taken away. Right? And I, that's why I think that, that the falling away, that departure, I believe that's talking about the rapture. So we as believers, we're going to be taken away. Satan is then going to have free course because that, that restraining um, power of, of Holy, Spirit, fear, Holy Spirit-filled believers in the church, that's going to be taken away. And he's literally going to have free reign to do whatever he wants unopposed. All right? Um, and, and again, you think... Um, just another thought along with that in verse, verse 7 where it says the spirit uh, for the, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. See, because the thing is Satan, Satan doesn't know when his time is going to be either. And I, think, I believe that Satan is just constantly working to try to get this kingdom to come to pass. He's just constantly working, constantly working. You look you look throughout history, and this is really interesting. Um, a message I heard kind of on this topic, the, the, pastor, the, the person speaking pointed this out. You look throughout history, and all throughout history you see, and you look at um, Revelation, it's clear that a lot of what's going to happen in the, the, end, the, the end times is going to be kind of centered around Europe. Um, you, have, you have Russia that's going to be at play there, and then you have the Middle East. seems like a lot's going to be happening around Europe and, and the rise of Rome. Again, right? The rise of Rome. And you look throughout history, and there's been all these different leaders that have tried to take over what was then known as the world and to center themselves in Rome. 
Um, I don't know if you're familiar with, the, with Charlemagne. Um, he was a king. Um, early on, you know, before um, even like he, he would have been like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to say the date. It's going to be short. But he was a king early on, and he tried, to, he tried to take over the known world. He was a conqueror, took over a lot of um, countries, and he tried to set himself up as emperor of Rome. He tried to revive Rome. Um, you think of um, World War I. <clears throat> what did you have? You have German there under the Kaiser trying to, again, take over what was known as the, the modern world there in Europe. And Kaiser, interestingly enough, is the German word for Caesar. Um, trying to, again, set himself up in Rome. You have you know, the evil of Hitler trying to take over the world. Um, you have Napoleon trying to take over the world and set himself up, again, interesting, in Rome. So all throughout history of all these great kings trying to take over the world, or at least Europe, and set themselves up and revive Rome. It's interesting. And just going along where there, what it says in verse 7, for the mystery of, of iniquity doth already work, it seems like Satan is just constantly in motion trying to set up these possible antichrists because he doesn't know, he doesn't know God's timeline. He doesn't know. He's just constantly working to try to put his plan into motion. But what's happening? Well, the church isn't going anywhere, and he can't, he can't do anything against God's working and the Holy Spirit's working, so he's just constantly being restrained. And it seems like just over and over and over again, he's trying to set this pattern of, of trying to set someone up. I don't know. It just seems interesting to me um, because we see, Paul says here, the mystery of iniquity, it doth work already. Satan is trying to set these things in motion. He's trying to set these things in motion, but he's being restrained. He's being restrained by the church and by the Holy Spirit living through believers. All right? So, getting back to the passage here, um, basically, once, the, once there's this departure, again, I think it's talking about the rapture, and the Antichrist kind of has free reign, he's, he's not restrained anymore, it's going to get pretty bad. <laughs> and you see that, um, look at verse 10, or verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all the deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. So whereas now the Bible is clear that God is working in the hearts of people to draw them to himself, at this point, it says God's going to actually gonna send a delusion among them, that they're going to believe a lie. Um, verse 12, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. All right, so it's going to get pretty bad. And it seems to indicate that those who up to that point rejected all of God's attempts to draw them, it says at that point it's going to kind of be maybe, it seems like it's saying that their, their chance to accept him is going to be gone. And God's actually going to work in their hearts so that they're going to believe a lie. They're going to believe that everything Satan is doing. They're just going to buy into that. So it's going to be pretty bad. And you look in Revelation and all the judgment that God's going to put on there, it's going to get really, really bad. Um, but what does Paul say in verse 13? That we're not going to worry about that because we're going to be gone. We're going to be out of here, right? Verse 13, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of God, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Verse 14, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, he's saying, look, look, it's going to be pretty bad, but we don't got to worry about that because you have chosen Jesus. You have chosen to believe him. You have accepted the truth that, that he's offered you. 
So you're not going to have to worry about any of that. Right? Therefore, brethren, verse 15, because of all that, stand fast. Hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by epistle. So what's he saying? Look, you don't, you don't got to worry about all that. All, you know, all, the, all the rumors you're hearing of all these things that are happening, um, you think of the timeline, you know, things were, things were going pretty badly in, in Rome. Um, historians think that during this period, Nero was probably the Caesar. If you know anything about Nero, um, he's a pretty bad dude. And uh, you, think, you think Joe Biden's a bad leader? Well, Nero was a little worse, okay? Especially if you were, if you were a Christian. So, I mean, you, had, you have to wonder, you know, what was going through the, belie- the believers of the, mind, the minds of the believers during that time? They're thinking, look, man, here's this, this person in Rome, powerful leader. He's persecuting Christians. Maybe Jesus is going to come back soon. And that, that had to be going through their minds, um, you'd think, even then. And you, you kind of study throughout church history. I'm sure a lot of believers all throughout history might have had that running through their minds at different times. You think of the persecutions that there were in England. Um, if you know anything about you know, the, the early church fathers in England when they were persecuted, um, even during the whole Reformation period, a lot, of, a lot of Christians were being killed. Um, the Spanish Inquisition. Um, again, World War II, you know, you think of um, in Germany, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people were being, and just all throughout history, you know, terrible times for Christians. Um, China right now, I mean, it's, it's pretty terrible, and, you know, in China right now for Christians, or in the Middle East. Um, Christians have always been persecuted. And I'm sure it's, it's always been tempting for Christians to think, you know what, this has got to be the time. It's so bad, this has got to be the time when Christ is returning. And what's Paul, what does Paul say about that? Don't, don't be shaken in your mind. Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. What does he say to do? Verse 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast, hold the traditions that you have been taught, whether by word or by epistle. Verse 16, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting con- consolation and good hope through grace, Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Because I, was, I got thinking about this, you know, you know, you hear a lot about the, the signs of the times and, you know, you hear about, you know, how, you know, maybe all this vaccination stuff could be, you know, lead up to the, to the you know, the, the mark of the beast and, you know, maybe, maybe the, I heard someone say something about, you know, like the thermometer, you know, that reads your forehead that could be like coming into working into, you know, something that will read the mark of the beast. And you just hear all this stuff. And you'd be so confused and think, oh, man, you know, maybe this is talking about, you know, how the end days are here. And, you know, um, you know it seems like all this different stuff. And it can, be, it can be easy to think and to be so focused on all this stuff. And think, man, no, the last days must be here. And, you know, you know it's going to be pretty bad and, you know, all this different stuff. And it can, you can, what's that going to lead you to? Well, lend me personally to the idea of, you know, I just need to kind of, you know, hunker down and, you know, not lose faith and, you know, just kind of, you know, putz along until, you know, Jesus comes back. What's Paul saying? You know, you can't do that. You need, you need to hold those traditions which you've been taught. Um, verse 17, establish you in every good word and work. Paul's saying, look, you can't, you can't stop. You've got you to keep going. There's things that you've been taught. You need to keep doing them. That's the answer. And the, the only one that benefits by, by the, the fear and the confusion and the doubt, the only one that benefits by that is Satan. He's the only one. Um, what's the Bible say? The Bible said that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, 
but of love and of power and of sound mind. And anytime you know, I have that, dear, that, that doubt and fear in my mind, that, that, that's not of God. It's not. God, God doesn't give you doubt and fear. He gives you power, love, and a sound mind. So all these, you know, all, all these things that are swirling around you know, with, with, with the United States um, and just our government and, and the whole you know, COVID mess and what's going on in China, what's going on in the Middle East, all that stuff, it can, it can be so confusing and, and, and just, you know, it could, be, it could be a great reason to fear. But that, that's, that's, that's Satan's work. And, and I think it's just a distraction. It just ends up being a distraction. Because you can be so focused on all that stuff and just be so fearful and so distracted that you, you are being distracted from the one thing that is that God placed here to, to restrain Satan's work and to restrain him from, from setting himself up and, and bringing in the last of days. And that is the church being filled with the Holy Spirit and being bold with the gospel and not, not hunkering down, but, but being bold with the, with the work that God has given us. And actually, let's, let's, um, we'll finish up in Acts chapter 1. And it's interesting, you know, just with the, the missions conference and stuff, you know, you, you, always, you always hear this at missions conference or just, you know, a lot of different messages. You know, the Great Commission. And let's just look at those last words that Jesus did say to his disciples when we know it's the Great Commission, all right? So Acts 1, let's start in verse 6. All right, so here's his disciples gathered around Jesus right before he ascends. And what's the last question they ask him? When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again thy kingdom to Israel? They're asking him, Lord, are you going to come again? Are you going to come again and set up your earthly kingdom? And what's he say to them? It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And they're, they're thinking, Lord, man, it's, it's going to be bad down here after you're gone. And are, are you going to come again soon? And he says, look, don't worry about that. I know that. And the, the Father knows when that time's going to come. And it's, you, you don't need to worry about that. What do you need to worry about? Well, I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And you need to go out and you need to preach the gospel to your area and ultimately to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what you need to worry about. And uh, again, I heard, I heard a preacher put it this way. You know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't look for Satan's coming. We should look for Jesus' coming. And looking for Satan's coming means being distracted by everything that's going along and you know, trying to look for the signs of the times and trying to figure this all out. I mean, it, it can be kind of interesting and in, in maybe seeing how things are coming together based on prophecy. But at the same time, we don't need to worry about that. What do we need to worry about? We need to worry about the, the task that Jesus gave to us. And that is being a spirit-filled believer who, who is a witness to those around him. And, and that's it. You know, that's it. Um, and you, you look at other passages. Don't really have time to get into them tonight. But um, it, seems like, it seems like the clearest, don't look at this, it seems like the clearest thing that Jesus taught about his coming was that we have no idea when it was going to be. We don't know. Um, he talks about in, in Matthew 24 that it's going to be like the days of Noah when people were, you know, they were eating and drinking and marrying and it was just seemed like life is normal. 
right? This is normal everyday activities. And so there's going to be two women working out in the field. One's going to be taken and one's going to stay. They're just about their daily lives. And it's just going to be normal life and then boom, it's going to come. And that's the thing. We just, we just don't know. And I think it can be so easy to get hung up on, you know, it seems like, you know, the signs of the times are there and, you know, try to look at all these, you know, different conspiracy theories. And, you know, maybe they're right, maybe they're not. But we don't, we don't need to be worried about that. We don't. We need to be worried about the task that Jesus gave to us and worried about being Holy Spirit-filled believers and, you know, worried about everything we heard about last week, missions and revival, you know, being right before God ourselves and making sure we're doing the things that he would have us to do. And, you know, everything else is in God's hands. And that's, that's not being negligent. That's being faith-filled. Um, so I don't know, I hope, I hope that was helpful. And um, it, was, it was really helpful for me because I found myself just really getting kind of weighed down and even fearful at times with just looking at everything in the world around us. But it's just reassuring, you know, okay, no, I just need to stand fast in the things I know God has given me. I don't need to worry about all that stuff. Maybe, maybe it's going to be soon. Maybe it's not going to be soon. I mean, it's sooner today than it was yesterday, but that's about all we know, Right. And I, we, don't, we don't need to worry about that. We just need to focus on the task that God has given us. We don't need to be fearful. And we just need to have faith in him.